episode 177 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? Not too bad, honestly. Yeah? Yeah. Vibe check? Okay. I mean, it's busy, as usual. You know, it's my busy time of year, now every six months. I feel like but, I haven't talked to you all week. I know. Well, I mean, you've been literally busy. I've been doing doing my civic duty. Uh, yeah. I, I, I got tapped for jury duty for the first time ever. I dodged that bullet for, what, 28 years, I think, because it can... No, 24 years, because it can start pulling it to, at 18, right? Right, right, right. I dodged that bullet for 24 years. I tried to yeah. get it, but, like, the three times that they... The two times that they tried to hit me up, I was literally on trips for both of those mm-hmm. for work, and it's like... I, I can't. Like, the first one was literally, I want to say, when I was, like, in my 20s. Yeah. The second one was while I was at Jack Henry, I got hit for one, and I'm like, I'm literally going to be on site. And they were just like, well, can you reschedule that? And I was like, here's my boss. And they were like, no. Like, this is, he's leaving. Mm-hmm. Like, this is happening. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And they were like, okay, well, no problem. Like, it was not even a big deal. But it was like, am I ever going to get hit up again? And uh, Probably at some point, yeah, but it's, I don't mind. It's, it's uh, you know, it's random, so, yeah. you know. I've been in court before doing things that weren't involving me as part of the defense of the prosecution, so I guess that's something. <laughs> Little did they know. Exactly, exactly. So Yeah. Uh, so we got your game coming up this weekend. How are yes. you feeling about that? Uh, pretty decent, because again, it's the it's the end of the adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of had most of my stuff ready to go mm-hmm. uh, for that, so it's it's a lot of minor stuff that I'm pulling together at the last minute that like is more of like, Okay, remind myself of the attitude of these NPCs, remind myself of the general direction, and make sure that I keep the feel continuing to the climax. Because, again, it's been a month since we've played, and so I have to kind of get you guys back into that moment... And uh, part of that, I having live uh, digital maps is a good part of that because you guys can immediately visualize back where you were. Yeah, sure. Um, and I can kind of pull those strings back together with some of the other NPCs. So I don't think it's going to be much to pull you guys back into it and get you guys back into the moment. Uh, but it's it's me prepping my own brain for that. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's a light adventure, so it's much easier in, in on me mentally because I'm literally doing way less than I used to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you had a you had a painting date with a friend uh, the other day. I did, I did. I uh, I wanted to get uh, some minis that I wanted for the end, the the end of my campaign, uh-huh. uh, ready to go on the off chance that they come out in that way. Okay. Um, I had uh, um, I mean it's 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 nothing within my story. I have a, a dragon that's involved in my story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's not a traditional D and D wingling dragon. It's mm-hmm. it's actually a Japanese style dragon. It's a worm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I wanted to paint that in a style that was reminiscent of what you painted for me oh, of okay, the other yeah, figure. Yeah. So I, yeah. I kind of played with colors and got something close to that and I've been working on that. So you gonna, nice. you gonna drop that uh, drop that up on Mini of the Week on our I, uh, Instagram I will, and Twitter? But it might it might wait a little bit because I want that to, to come out at a certain point right. for everybody. But yeah, as soon All as right. I as soon as I get that wrapped up I will definitely be doing All that. Right. So awesome. awesome. Um but yeah I also have uh, I posted for the Patreon members. I haven't put it up on the main, but I did finish my digital map and got some shots of that out of oh, my good. build. So that was good. Good. Um and so the, you guys will get a chance to see uh, what the digital map case kind of came out like. There's still some stuff that I've got to wrap up on it that I'm not totally pleased with, but uh, I feel that my woodworking skills are good enough to get what I wanted done, and it, it mm-hmm. looks nice. So Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got my game scheduled for October yes. 2nd, uh, and I've started writing on that. Um, How I've do you been... feel? That's been holding you up. 
Yeah, I, like I, I've been working through some some writer's block, but I think I've got a good trajectory, and I think I've got enough momentum to push through it now. Okay, okay, um, that's good. So uh, I, I think I just, I was worrying too much about it, um, and I think I wanted, you know, I, I'm i a chronic over-planner as a storyteller. Sure. Um, and so I feel like if I don't have, like, very well-written, you know, things tied into, you know, everyone's backstories and everyone's current motivations that, like, the scenes won't grab you, and uh, I needed to just chill the hell out. Yeah. And just be like, look, you guys are going to have an adventure one way or another. Um, I can throw some light stuff at you, and mm-hmm. you guys will fill in the rest of the drama because there's all the elements are rich for it to be there. So, and, and that's the thing is like I've been uh, getting back on Reddit and 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 commenting on things, and it seems to be that that's a huge issue for everybody right now. There's a lot more people who are getting into writing stories and they're doing things. People are talking about like, hey, I'm doing this trap. And I want it to come off really, really great. Uh, but here's what I'm thinking. And they go into this high detail and they're like, you know, what do you guys think I can do? Or is this too, you know, is this too much or should I go this? And I had to literally tell them, like, dial it back. Like, all these people are talking about making all these DC rules and checks this way and that way. I'm like, you're making it too specific. Yeah. Like, you're literally railroading a challenge to an nth degree that if they don't make these things, they're just going to die. So don't think about that. Literally, the oh, okay, they go. What what do you want it to feel like? Indiana Jones, right? You said that. So like, and it was a cool idea. The idea is is that they at the end of this dungeon, uh, a, they would catch up with a guy who was already there stealing the idol. Oh yeah, yeah, I love. And that. he pulls the idol off just as they walk in, or, or or some interaction happens where either a the idol comes off, or they get to the idol, whatever. But it's in a room that's clearly trapped at the end. Yeah, yeah. So once the thing is removed. It starts the chain reaction of the door sealing and the water flooding in and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, yeah, but they could, like, get around the water thing and blah, blah, blah. And, like, but there's also lava nearby, so I was thinking of maybe having it, like, turn into a gas, you know, and he was trying to think of, like, water poisonous lava, gas. Water and lava hitting make obsidian. We know this. Right. So uh, my whole thing was, and, and somebody else had said it, was, like, why not just have steam? Like, you can have water come in and then it hits the lava in the area and it causes steam. Steam's bad. Mm-hmm. Steam's terrible. You know, so that could totally be a thing, you know. And uh, uh, and then they could figure out a way around that. But no, the few people who were giving like really good ideas basically said, let's just kind of come up with what you want the trap to look like and feel like. Let them figure out how to get out of there. Yeah. Like, it's the last room. The way to get out of it is open the door from the outside. If you're trapped inside, too bad. So my thought was, yeah, like, have the steam come up. Maybe after, like, they've been in there a while trying to figure it out, if they're still running late, like, if you still need something there have some air elementals or water elementals come out of the steam to clean up the room mm-hmm. to reset it, right? Because that's what's going to happen, sure, right? Sure, sure, sure. So you, you don't want a bunch of bodies in there. I wouldn't want that, so why not do that? And, uh-huh. and it was just the whole concept of, like, stop trying to kill your players with complications. Let them figure it out. If they come up with something that seems like a really good idea, accept it. Yeah. And just move on. Yeah. Like, that's the whole point. Some of the best some of the best advice about, like, clever trap rooms and puzzles and stuff like that that I've ever heard is just yeah. uh, don't write a solution for it. Just w- whatever the cleverest idea that they come up with works. And and why not? And why not? And why not? Does it does it matter? You want your heroes to succeed, obviously, so your story can continue. Right. And they feel good about it because they figured, quote unquote, figured out the solution. They'll never know that that wasn't that you didn't even have a solution written yeah. for it. And the more they just calm know that they you tried are. something and worked. Yeah. And the more calm you are, the more it seems like that was the solution. Yeah. Like, nice. You guys, yeah. you guys figured that out. Very yeah, cool. Exactly. And they're all like, yeah, we, we did, you know, and like, you don't care. Like on your sheet, it just says, move on. And what does that make us? 
big, big damn, damn heroes, heroes. sir. <laughs> Don't adjust. Yeah. So there. Now we've talked a little bit about the past. All right. So we do have a show for you tonight. We do. We do. Uh, not all of this is in y- incessant yammering. No, um, it's not. We are here to talk about B plots. B plots. And, and a bit about subplots because it's very closely related to B plots. Um, so we're, we are going to kind of come cover both of those in spite of the, the title of the show only being about B-plots. Um, but uh, uh, we always start off with a definition, yeah? Yes, we always do, because uh, it helps. So let's talk about what are B-plots and subplots. We kind of want to start at the scope of a subplot, I think, because a, subplot, a B-plot can be a subplot, and often is, but a subplot is never a B. Well, let me let me see if I got that. No, no. All subplots, subplots are, are B plots, plots, but not all B plots are subplots. Thank you. That was the words okay. I was going to say. So let's su- add a subplot. All right. So a subplot um, is often character centered, uh, meaning that one or more player characters are the principal actors, uh, and that the subplot includes personal consequences for the involved characters. Um, basically, it is a plot that is going on while the main plot is going on. Mm-hmm. But it may not have a direct tie to the main plot. Correct. It can run um, parallel to it. It can it can be a, a side jaunt that goes off in its own direction. But it still involves the core characters. Yeah, kind of. Uh, the, the only thing I want to distinguish it from is like a side quest. Correct. Because a side quest draws you away from the main plot. Mm-hmm. And it's very important that a subplot runs concurrent to the main plot. The main plot right? still is going. You are still pursuing the main plot but there is an added complication of this subplot going on that may be a smaller chunk mm-hmm. of what you need to do to pre- resolve the main plot um fans of critical role mm-hmm. uh will probably be familiar with um uh and, and even i guess fans of legend of vox machina um, yeah. the cartoon um may know the the the, the chroma conclave arc Mm-hmm. Uh, where the dragons attacked Teldore. Right. And as part of that, um, the quest to defeat those dragons, which was the main plot, mm-hmm. defeat the dragons, free Teldore. Mm-hmm. Um, along that, they had they were put on the, the trail of these powerful magical artifacts called the Vestiges of Divergence. Mm-hmm. And they decided that they wanted to collect a bunch of these things to be able to get the, the power necessary to defeat the dragons. Mm-hmm. It was pursuant to the main goal, mm-hmm. but going around artifact hunting wasn't the plot right, right it isn't defeating dragons right. it leads itself there but right. while you're you know dinking around in a dungeon looking for magical armor and getting your twin sister killed yeah you're uh that's a subplot mm-hmm. spoilers mm-hmm. on the other hand a b plot is a side story um and they're thematically similar and tonal and similarities to the main plot but the stakes are always lower and the conflicts are less complicated. Yes. Um, the real reason for the variation on this is that a lot of times you'll be running a plot that has a specific heavy feel to it or heavy message within it. And and a pace that might be going at a certain rate. And people need variation. We see it a lot of times in um, TV shows, series, mm-hmm. where... You need, if you're doing heavy drama, you do something comedic. If you're doing something comedic, you bring in a little bit of drama. That variation allows the mind of the watchers, of the of the actual audience, which in this case are the people at your table, yep. you know, to have other things going on. And they don't get mentally fatigued by the story. Yes. You yes. get to, you get to have a little, you know, 
fruit with your dinner, if mm-hmm. you will, you know? Uh, now, whereas a subplot often serves the main plot mm-hmm. um, in, in some di- direct but also kind of indirect way, mm-hmm. um, the B-plot doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with the main plot. And that's kind of what distinguishes them on a um, technical level. Right, right. Uh, on a tonal level, they are exactly what you what you discussed with the, with the tone shifts, but on a technical level, you also use them to um, just kind of introduce... Um, I want to say random elements, but they're not really random, you know, like, I mean, they're, they're very planned, obviously, but like, yeah. but it makes the world feel like there's more going on than just your plot. Yeah. You know, have you ever had those games where it's like, what, what is the rest of the world doing while these dragons are ransacking these towns? Yeah. And that's a perfect question to answer with a B plot. Yeah. Also, how do I matter mm-hmm. is the biggest thing. Like as a character, how do I matter in this story? Yeah. You know, Yeah. I'm the guy with the stick beating the big thing that needs to be defeated, but why does that matter to me? Mm-hmm. You know, how am I invested in this? How am I part of this living world? And so B-plots, although they don't have an impact on the main plot, they have an impact on the characters. And that's the big thing that we want to focus on here, is that when you look for a B-plot, you want, especially in in cooperative storytelling uh, in tabletop RPGs, is B-plots need to feel like they're wrapped around the characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're not, you know, we'll get into some heavy examples here of, of ways to do it in, the, in games, but... When we're thinking of B-plots, there are lots of movie and more TV show B-plots than anything else. Oh, yeah. I think TV shows delve into B-plots a lot. I actually, it was very difficult for me to remember any, like, significant B-plots in, like, uh, in movies. Movies usually stick to, when you've got, like, tens, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars riding on on, on Mm -hmm. the outcome of it, you generally tend to stick to your main story. Yeah, you you don't tend to have a B-plot come sliding in so that you learn more about another character while it's going on. Right. Um, but we did find one great example. Well, there's a couple, I <laughs> yeah, would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we, we'll, we'll, I think we can get to that. Yeah, we, we can talk about this. Uh-huh. So I like Disney's Mo- Three Musketeers. You love that movie. It, it's, there's a lot that goes on in that, but one of the, the, the biggest things that wraps the entire story is a major B-plot for D'Artagnan, and that's uh, Gerard, who is, uh, he's the brother of a girl that he literally is kissing at the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. and he must defend her honor yeah so it's him coming back again and again through the story at random points where he interjects himself into the plot now he's not interjecting himself with any of the plot situation like people he doesn't have anything to do with count rachelieu he doesn't have anything to do with going on with the conspiracy around the crown or none of that that. he literally just shows up it's like my sister's honor is at stake and it's like jesus i have to take care of this dude again he's some dude that just hates d'artagnan's guts yeah period that is in his entire place in the story yeah and he's it's simple it's easy it's effective and it talks about who d'artagnan is Mm mm-hmm and, like, that he really doesn't want to deal with this guy. It was just a moment. Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. Yes, she's a very nice girl, but I'm gone. Like, yeah. Isn't that the important thing? Right. You, know? you wanted me to leave. I left. Yeah. And now you chased me all the way to Paris. You right. Know, to... And beyond. And beyond. But, um, that, but yeah, that right there tells that story. There are other B-plots in that movie that are, again, addressed beautifully. I, I love the fact that, like, you just know this B-plot is interjecting itself when in the middle of a tense scene between the Musketeers and Count Rachelieu's men or whatever, you know, you just hear that, D'Artagnan! 
yep. and you're like, oh, here dude. he comes, you know. Not that effing dude. And the reason I the reason I love this B plot so much is because I think one of the simplest formulas for coming up with B plots mm-hmm. is just like, okay, so you've got a straight line going on here. It's mm-hmm. just um, man versus you know evildoers. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's just us trying to defeat them. What can go wrong? What left field element can we just mm-hmm. throw in there that yeah. will complicate the matter? Yeah. You know? And I think it's a great formula for a B plot. Yeah. Um, Another one uh, that is actually uh, the opposite of that, where the story is a very straight line, like uh, a ridiculous straight line. In this case, if it's a little age here, so some people... Say, would you say a race with a goal? Yeah. So Cannonball Run was a, a series of movies that were terrible and came out a long time ago in uh-huh. a galaxy far, far away. Um, but the whole point of the movie was it was a race across the country, a cannonball run. Mm-hmm. Every one of the racers in that you know, car and people involved in those had their own story going on. That was the B-plot. Everything was B-plot. Everything was B-plot. The, the race ra- almost didn't matter. Exactly. And it's things like that that you look at and you're like, oh... Okay, that's just a ridiculous amount of B plot. And that's that's the truth of the matter is is that you can have a very straight story and have a ton of B material that gets caught up in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's great. That that's what people want. Roll it in and keep going with it. Um TV series like we said are better at this. Was I want I want to interject just real quick before we move sure. on to the TV series. Uh, Knox in the box in the live chat um asks uh, so I'm understanding B plots should not be a fork in the road or at least a fork that eventually leads back to the main path. I would say a B plot is more of a roadside attraction. <laughs> yeah, no actually kind of. Yeah. It's it's like Think of it like, you know, you're driving along the road, but what wouldn't the road be more interesting if you stopped at a fun restaurant on the way? Yeah. You're you still know. traveling down the road. There's now just this extra thing that happened while you're still traveling down the road. It doesn't even fork the road. Yeah. I mean, it, we're going to a... Wally World. What possibly could happen along the way? Yeah. I mean, that's that's it. That was literally Nash Lampoon's vacation. <laughs> you know, they went to Wally World. Grandma died along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, they had uh, a Hulk, all kinds of other things happen. But those are all the B stories. It's it's uh, he says it's the scenic route. And I'm like, no, it's not really the scenic route either. It's no. just kind of you're still traveling along the main path. A B plot is just something that happens on that path. Think of it like. You're still you're still traveling up north down I seventy five, but this time you're singing ninety nine bottles of beer along the the, the ninety nine bottles of, blo- of beer on the wall is the B plot. It happens while you're pursuing the main plot of going down the down, on your trip. Lord of the Rings. Uh huh. When they get to the mountains and get the impasse in the mountains, and Gimli says, "We'll take my brother's, my, we'll take my brother's pass, mm-hmm. the mines of Moria." Is Mines of Moria a B plot? I don't think so because well, it's a subplot. Correct. It's a subplot, not a B plot. And why is it a subplot and because not a B plot? Because it still serves the main plot of Correct. getting them to to Mount Doom. Correct. If the B plot was them going into the Mines of Moria, and while they were in the Mines of Moria, something else was going on. You know, uh, they they end up reburying some of the dwarves who are who are there, or 
you know, they actually finished the Balrog and uh, and there was a whole story there that was was added to it. I think those aspects are B plots, but they were scenes. And I think like if, if Gimli ran into his ex girlfriend and there was some drama that went on there, and yeah. then they left the Mines of Moria and went to, and went on to Mordor from there. Correct. Like, that's a B plot. Um, you know. Yes. 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 So. Uh, he says it's the games you play during the car ride. Yes, pretty much, almost exactly. Yes. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's the person that you meet at the at the rest stop who shows up at the next rest stop and then shows up at the giant ball of twine and you you have multiple conversations with them and there's things that are going on. That's a B plot. Well, let's let's get into some TV series. Here we get sure, some sure, con- sure. concrete examples sure, here because sure, uh, sure. I think con- I think TV series to me were the best places to to find B plots. Without a doubt, two of my favorite shows um, were rife with B plots. Right. Uh, almost almost consistently, every single episode had at least one B plot going on. Right. Um, and that is Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Oh God, yeah. Um, was amazing with B plots. Like Deep Space Nine is under attack by Cardassians. A plot. But also, while this attack is taking place, Quark's mother is visiting. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, no. That was totally a thing. That was uh, you know, totally a it's, thing. Again, it's a thing that's just happening while the A-plot is unfolding, you know? Yep. yep. Um, Burn Notice mm-hmm. was another great one. Uh, this is a tale of a burned spy Michael Weston. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always stuff like we have to figure out who's burned Michael and we've got all these spy assets and this is going on, that's going on. But also in the middle of that, Mike's mom will call and be like, right. Michael, I need you to come by. There's this man who's harassing me. You right, know? right. And a B plot because yeah. he's not forgotten about all the other, you know, high level spy stuff that he's doing. But he does need to swing by and take care of mom and this man who's harassing yep. him. Yep, exactly. You and know. you'll find that in almost every major uh, TV show that has a direct line. Mm-hmm. Now, what we are not saying is that episodic shows are not B-plots. Stargate, A-Team, any of those where like the purpose of the show is to be episodic, that is not B-plotting it. That is just being episodic. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, it's it's sometimes when those shows that do have episodes have tied together for the characters that are ongoing. That can be a B-plot that's going on. Relationships between characters can be a B-plot. Yes. But it has to be character-centric. It has to run alongside of the plot, main plot mm-hmm. to really be part of those things. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right. So, what does a framework for a B plot look like? How do you how do you start making a B plot? So, backstories are often the ripe point to start. It is the it is the fruit that you see on the vine that says this Pluck has me. potential. Pluck me. Right. So, your player tells you that his fam that he left his family when he was young and he has never returned. Okay. Great. He knows nothing of his family. That is a ripe field to work with. Yep. At so. any point, like, his brother could come back as a villain, or his sister could come back as a damsel in distress, or his parents could just show up. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even have to be like, oh, the the main villain is now suddenly... The, like, literally just his parents showing up will be enough to disrupt things. Right. Because, oh my god, I thought you were dead. Yeah. Is a great point of drama. Yeah. You know? 
It's it's full of interesting characters. There's often events that have happened, complications, goals that can be brought to the forefront of the story uh, without becoming the A plot, the main plot. Exactly. You know, this person has a vendetta. Great. Did you forget about it? Because it didn't forget about you. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of a thing. You know. Oh yeah, I you know I I I uh, I also at one point uh, was locked up and imprisoned uh, wrongfully, and now I'm out of prison. But it gave me a lot of knowledge. Oh, you were wrongfully imprisoned. Hmm. Wonder if that still is a thing, a thorn in your side. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to come show itself back up. So some of the things that can come out of these that you can think about are uh, when you're looking at your characters' uh, backgrounds, even if they're light backgrounds, uh, you will have ideas. Um, skeletons in the closet. People have past. They have secrets that return. Yep. Things, little dark moments that they wrote accidentally. And I say accidentally is that they thought it was a cool thing to put in, and you think it's a cool thing to spring back on them later. Yep. Yep. Like, that is totally a thing. Uh, I think family life is another great one because family life can take a lot of different, um, a lot of different forms, you know, and positive and negative. Exactly. And I think, you know, the important thing to come back to when we're talking about this is that you want to break up the tone of your, of your A plot with the B plot. Well, not break it. I mean, break, break it up. Maybe, maybe, maybe the wrong word for it. You want to make the B plot different in tone than the A plot to show contrast. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, if you do have an ultra grim, dark game going on, maybe, you know, a surprise, you know, oh, I thought you were dead, you know, visit from the parents is a ray of sunshine. Maybe it's yeah. a ray of hope. So uh, you can screw up a teleport. It's possible. Huh? Uh, and the thought that I had was like, maybe your group is literally speed teleporting out of something out of trouble. Uh-huh. Where do you end up? And you could just be. You find yourself in a room that is chaos, dust, papers, there's uh, carpeting, you know, your, your, the, the rug has been shifted out of the way, and a woman comes in with a broom over her head, and you hear the voice of your grandmother. Mm-hmm. I teleported into my grandmother's house. You're going to clean this up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and it becomes a sweet grandmother who takes care of them. See, I was going to go the grandmother route, but I was going to be like you teleport into a room that is pristine and clean and there are plastic sheets on all of the uh, uh all of the furniture. Mhm. <laughs> but I mean the whole thing is, is that you can then shift that tone from that harrowing moment of where the heck did we end up, you know, after ditching these guys to, to... Oh hell yeah, if she doesn't kill us with that broom, she she might make us cookies. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like this is my grandmother. Be careful. And it what what it does is it opens up that door for the player to start talking. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Uh, you got it, you, you. Well, it also it also leaves questions then for um uh, for your uh, other party members and gives a great moment to expose elements of the backstory that would not normally come into play. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like okay, this is your grandmother. Why should we be afraid of her? You know, yeah. what's the story there? Right. Now your player gets to do some plot exposition. Oh, uh, she's actually a retired adventurer, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now you've got like 45 minutes of role play that your characters are all going to be talking to this NPC, you know, and it's just really great for a character building moment. Yeah. And you also have those things that people write like uh, they're forlorn. They lost their love. Mm hmm. Okay, Th- those are great stories for pulling those people back and or pulling aspects of it back. Yep. Like, do they find something that they now are like, this shouldn't be here. I buried this with her. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. 
Now there's a trail. Now there's feelings that that person can tell about to the group and you can build that B plot to a finish. Yes. Yes. You know, maybe it was just as simple as grave robbers, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's something that they can then impart in the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think B, the, the, the great thing about B plots is they should be short. Yes. Uh, they should be very bite sized. So like oftentimes you're, you're, you know, like, okay, we're at my grandma's and now we get to hear about my grandma. Like that's, that's a whole B plot. Yeah. You know, of just, oh, it's plot exposition of my family showing up. Yeah. Okay, cool. Maybe, plot, maybe, you know? maybe leaking some secrets about them that were, that aren't that yeah. great, but they just never decided to address. Uh, you know? Let's see here. What are other ones? Uh, trouble at work. Yeah. yeah you, you always have a job. Usually. Work often creates conflicting obligations and the attendant uh, necessity necessity to compromise between those obligations. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep working with those people. And sometimes that's that's a major thing is just dealing with those moments. Like, yeah, you're an adventurer, but you still have to work the quickie mart from seven to nine tonight because that's your shift. Yeah. You know. I say tr- trouble at work is almost the uh, the the Gerard D'Artagnan thing because it's yeah. like he's he's trying to join the Musketeers, so it's it's more of a job application than it is a job, right? But in amongst all this thing he's wrapped up into with the Musketeers, then all of a sudden there's this D'Artagnan, exactly. And he's like, oh god, you know. Yep. Yep. Hold on. <laughs> you know, and you have Murphy's Law, where Murphy's Law's ugly head, which is you know things can be unreliable. That could be anything from like if you're a superhero, your power's not working right. Mm-hmm. Can be its own subplot, like Hulk not being able to Hulk out. You know, uh, actually, a place where this comes up all the time in tabletop games is Dungeons and Dragons. Any paladin or cleric that becomes at odds with their god. Yeah, that's a good way of looking and, at it. And has their powers revoked or reduced or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now they need to do something to atone. Congratulations, you have invented a B plot for mm-hmm. your for your character of faith. Yep, yep. Um, love is a love never works out the way you think it will, and often comes in so many flavors. Everything from lack of interest, uh, family rivalries. Uh, you know, you've got interference between other people. You know, because you have the love triangle kind of things. Yeah, yep. You have calamities that it can occur, war and sickness, you know, uh, and you've got the end or the death of a loved one. And all of those fit underneath that canvas of, of easy things to grab. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, work I, with. I think the what's, what's, what's worth noting about this particular one, for me at least, is that I all too often see love used as a punishment Yes. For people where it's like, oh, you love this person. Now I, as a storyteller, I'm just going to do horrible things to the person you love to kind of, you know, jerk you around and and use, you know, uh, use this as a source of drama. And Mm -hmm. it really just becomes frustrating for you because you're like, why did I ever become attached to this person? You know, Um, whereas sometimes love can find itself in the weirdest of places like shopkeepers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I see. I'm I'm a big proponent of giving you know giving gifts and and shining rays of lights on your on, on your on your players like they make an investment man, give it to them sprinkle in some good stuff not everything needs to be grim dark all the time and and I, I would say even if you are running a grim dark campaign mm-hmm. having a little ray of sunshine in there as a treat mm-hmm. is just brings so much contrast to the other grim darkness around you you know yep. I mean, um, I, I like doing that. I like doing the surprise in D&D of romance that comes in different flavors. Everything from from children being enamored with the, the heroes, mm-hmm. you know, where they want to follow them and mimic them and they're sweet and they're kind. All the way to the, like, 
you know, fanning themselves and fainting when, you know, when the hero steps in who is of renown. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of moments, because they're unexpected. They're not usually found at tables. You know, everybody wants to go to hard romance, which, I mean, sure, but, like, we don't need that. Yeah. Like, it's not necessary. There's enough of that can, to, to, to be awkward. But to do all the other little bits of of being interested, mm-hmm. intrigued, attending someone, like, I want to know more about you. And and I would say <laughs> all the hardships that come with them. Yeah. Um, I think, like, you really did an amazing job of love as a B-plot um, in your 7th C game for me. Uh, with so, the Shotterman? No, Which with one? my character. Oh, with your character, yes. Uh, so the first section of the game, uh, you, you take these things called backgrounds in 7C, and mm-hmm. they're essentially um, plot complications yeah. that you can throw in. You basically hand one of your drama dice to the storyteller, and you say, I want this plot complication to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And then you earn extra XP because you have complicated the plot by injecting your subplot. Correct, into it. correct. Um, and so what was my first one? Was it... Starcrossed. Starcrossed? Yes. But then what was the second one? Uh, so I started off with uh, Helmut, which yes. um, was a... Uh, my character was a gunsmith and yes. a tinkerer. And um, Helmut was another, like, engineer gunsmith... Mm-hmm. Uh, tinker he was another he was a, a an artificer of sorts and we had a um strained romance slash rivalry very much so where we uh sometimes loved each other sometimes hated each other loved to hate each other mm-hmm. um, and anytime he showed up it would have my character's full attention. My character would do stupid stuff to either get rid of or get one up on mm-hmm. or get the attention of this character yes. And I thought it was brilliant. And then we got to your, the next chapter of your game, and we had the chance to kind of update our characters a little bit. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of a time jump, and um, it was a, some sort of a love triangle. I think. Yes. You, are you looking it up right now? Or... I was. I was going back and okay. seeing if I had your character here to be able to look it up, but I don't. I don't remember the, the exact name of the background, but it was a love triangle background. Yes. And so what we did is we kept Helmut mm-hmm. as the quote unquote spurned ex boyfriend. Yes. Who was still was... trying to prove himself, not necessarily as a lover, but at least as an equal. Uh huh. Like he was a nemesis to a degree. Yes. Yes. And uh, then and... you. And then you had a lover. And then I had a lover who was kind of a, a witcher almost, mm-hmm. um, or what what passes for that sort of a profession. She was kind of a monster hunter. Sort, Correct. Um, named Ada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she had caught my character's eye, and the two of us, like, I was kind of providing weapons for her, mm-hmm. and she was kind of, you know, doing impressive, uh, uh, very just amazing things as a, mm-hmm. you know, uh, dashing things as an adventurer and monster yes. hunter. Yes, um, Which caught my eye. And, but then there was, like kind of this still old flame of Helmut still around. Correct. And... Every time you'd see him, he was still trying to be impressive to you. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that he was doing were impressive and and quite caring in an odd way. And it was obvious. Madeline lived rent-free in that man's head. Correct. Correct. Uh, but honestly, like, but but you, you showed a lot of the different aspects of it. There mm-hmm. was that oftentimes... It wasn't just as much as, like, love or hate, but there was, like, I love you, but I'm so frustrated with you right mm-hmm. now 
because I love you, I care so much about this wrong thing you have done. Mm-hmm. And whereas it's a minor inconvenience for the group on the grand scheme of things, it has ruined my day. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you did a really great job of that. And, like, it never derailed the main plot. No, they were always just there. It was always just these little subplots, these always little, uh, s- some subplots, some B-plots. Mm-hmm. That you dropped them in, because sometimes they had something to do with the main plot, and sometimes they didn't. Yeah. Helmut was started working for the bad guys at one point, just because they were giving him a good paycheck. Yeah, yeah. And they encouraged him to build the thing he wanted to build to prove to me he could build it. Yeah. Like, it was almost like on a dare he started working for the bad guys, Yeah, you effectively, know? he was trying to build, I mean, uh, he was building a MacGuffin to that was of quality right just to prove that he could show like here i built this thing now love me now love me yeah and not not even in a romantic way just just look at me with the same level that i look at you i need your respect right i need to be an equal exactly but at a whole different level yeah 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 Yeah, very much that very much that yeah and it just just a phenomenal job of weaving those in especially when you didn't know when i was going to drop those drama die on you no i just kind of had him sitting in the corner of like okay what would helmet do yeah like how would he be involved in this scene just just blew my mind just absolutely blew my mind blows my mind to this day that that you did such a good job thank you and that's and that's what you do with a love with Mm -hmm. a love b plot Mm -hmm. you know yeah um the personal plots yeah. To, to kind of get go, keep going here, we've got like the conflict plots, the thing that is the bread and butter of kung fu movies. This time it's personal, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. Whether it's something coming towards your characters or your characters going after something, you know, where it's a it's a personal vendetta. It's something of mark, yeah. like those types of things. Um, great, and... great places for this sort of thing is like when your character writes a backstory um, mm-hmm. that's like, uh, oh, the the evil duke killed my parents. Okay, well, cool. That evil duke needs to, you know, that's a Chekhov's gun you've handed, yeah. you know? And so that evil duke needs to show up somewhere. He doesn't necessarily need to be the A-plot. Like, I'm not going to make him the big bad evil guy of my of my thing. But he'll be at dinner. <laughs> but, like, while you guys are off trying to thwart a dragon, that's when he's going to jump in and D'Artagnan, you know, suddenly he's going to be trying to fight you alongside this dragon, you know? Because he thinks it's the ultimate time to be able to knock you off. And it's just an added little complication that you're yeah. going to have to deal with. Yeah. Or or he's at dinner talking to the big bad guy uh-huh. because they're friends. Yeah. And you're like, I don't need him to be his friend. Uh-huh. You know, this this is bad. Like, they're not working together. Yeah. Yeah, they are. N- no, dude. Like, they're not even close. No, they're, they're totally working together, and I'm going to kill them both. You know, kind of a thing. Like, the whole group was like, dude, you don't have to wax this guy. And then that whole thing has to be explained, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mistaken identity is is something that's often an odd thing, but it can open doors. I to, actually had a great mistaken identity B-plot in uh, one, of my, uh, one of my games. Hmm. Um, way back when... Uh, one of the, the very first campaign I ever finished, mm-hmm. actually, uh, was run using Dragonlance Fifth Age okay. as my system. Uh, this was the Demosia campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, one of the main characters in there uh, had a mistake. There was another adventure out there that looked very similar to him. Mm-hmm. And so he was always constantly mistaken for him. And so anywhere he went, there might have been good reputation or there might be bad reputation already waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Um. 
And it was it, like we we kind of made up this other story about how he was just a complete bumbling idiot mm. that sometimes forced gumped his way through a, through an adventure and came out victorious on the other end, not because he was good, but just because the dominoes fell his way mm-hmm. and he was seen as a competent adventurer. Gotcha. You know, um, and it was it was great fun to just be like, you know, we haven't we haven't done the mistaken identity thing for a while here, uh, and that's where one of my. Um, uh, you, you may have heard Erica taunt me with this one before of uh, leave and never get out. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's where that one came from because uh, they went to go visit the king of this one kingdom, the, the Dwarven kingdom. And uh, uh, I decided to throw in the mistaken identity thing there. He had mm-hmm. never visited this place, but the other guy had been there. Yeah. And apparently had done something horrible, mm-hmm. breached some protocol, made some huge social faux pas. And the king just went off on a tirade and was basically like, nope, 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 nope. You are not allowed here. I told you to leave and never get out. Yeah. I meant to say to leave and never come back, obviously, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it stayed. And my, and my lifelong friends have never let me live that one down to this day. Yeah. Okay. So you've got this plot element. Uh-huh. What do we, how, now what, what do we do with this thing? Uh, well, you need to figure out how that plot element is going to complicate your A plot. It does not supplant, it does not take away from, it does not branch off of. It runs right alongside of it. Correct. So how do you complicate your A plot with the B plot? Your, your, maybe your characters are going to get on ships, uh, and they've, they've, they've chartered a ship through their contact, and, you know, they're like, okay, we gotta make, uh, we gotta make break t- tomorrow morning to be able to get across there. Great. Step onto the ship, and one of your characters looks and goes... Oh, I know the captain. Mm-hmm. The, the sailing still happens, but now he's got to deal with the captain. Hello, brother. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that kind of a thing. You know, or, you know, or, or Jack Sparrow stepping onto a dock and getting slapped. I'm not sure I deserved that slap. I deserved that. I actually did deserve that. It's one. a complication. Yeah. That yeah. Just, it, it's a minor thing, but again, it's, it, and, and that's it. There's your B-plot right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, kind of a thing. It's there to... uh throw interest to to add a person into the scene that was unexpected yes um some systems have ways that players can say hey i'm going to spend some reputation let's say or i'm going to spend this and i know somebody at this party Mm -hmm. okay who's who's going to be friendly toward me okay you could make somebody up or you can insert a b plot and that's that's where you can have that that person that you're like, oh, that's right. You haven't seen your family in a long time, haven't you? Okay, you guys enter the door and get announced, and then literally out of one of the corners is sweet brother Noomsfi, and you're like, I haven't been called that since I was four. Oh no, it's oh, my no. cousin Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, Alan. But Alan knows everybody, and everybody knows Alan. Uh-huh. You know, he's really changed. He's no longer freckled, and you know all kinds of stuff. But the whole point of it is, is that it just added a B plot. It's not changing the main plot. He still knows everybody. That contact is still a contact. Mm-hmm. But now you're dealing with family drama, family on drama. top of this contact, or, or yep. childhood, you know, rivalry kind of stuff. You know, um, same like same thing is that you could have somebody else at that party who was like your bully as a kid. Yep. And now that's a thing. Uh, I am uh, I'm doing a B plot right now in my game, uh, where we've got a very mage guild centric plot. Mm-hmm. 
uh, with a little bit of Fighter's Guild action on the side. Mm-hmm. And what if we complicated that? Suddenly, Khajiit Ninjas. Yep. That's no, it. Nothing, nothing quite like that. So... Any of these things can be flavor that is immediately added, but again, it doesn't do anything but more than add a complication, a pebble in the shoe, yes. if you will. Yes. You know, or even a, a cup of coffee handed to you. Mm-hmm. Like, it can be either or. And the thing is, is that what you look for there is make sure that it sits in the framework of your story, but changes a little bit of the tone, gives a little bit of a difference. Um, a good way to handle these, and we've brought this up so many times, talk to your players about the B-plots. Yeah. Don't keep it a secret. Talk to it at the beginning of the game. Be like, hey, I've got some ideas. Which one of these, you know, based on your background, which one of these sounds like tasty popcorn to you? Sure. You know? And you might be like, you know, do you want to know more about, you want to have your family come back around? Can I play with this lost love, you know, kind of a thing? Um, I know you said you lost an arm. That scenario, like, can we can we do something with that? Yeah. And I, I know a lot of storytellers are very prone to not want to do this. You don't want to talk to your players about plots that are going to come up or anything like that because, oh, that ruins the surprise. Um, and I, I submit to you that it really doesn't. First off, if they've written it as a backstory element, they already know this element exists. Correct. I think I don't think any player out there, right down to our greenest, newest players, mm-hmm. think for a second that when they hand you a backstory, they are not handing you a list of, of Chekhov's guns. Right. Okay. They know if they put something in the backstory, the storyteller can and will use it, possibly against them, whatever. Yeah. And I will say this. If you've got new players or it's a new story and you're in your session zero, let them know that you're planning on doing this. Yeah, absolutely. So that maybe they'll they'll adjust or, uh, uh, you know, or direct things like, hey, I, I put this in there because I really didn't I, I, I wanted to be have a military background for the skills. I, I really don't want to visit that. OK, OK, Boom. it's off. The, it's not something they're interested in. Don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Walk away. Exactly. Uh, on the other hand, you know, there are people who are like, yeah, I was kind of hoping you'd make this a thing. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. I'll write it in as an A-plot a little bit later. No problem. Yeah. Um, or you might hit somewhere in in between. You know, mm-hmm. I talked to uh, talked to your wife about her backstory mm-hmm. uh, for, for her character in my, in my game. She didn't want an A-plot. She says uh, it, was, it was just too much, too much attention on her character, and she didn't really feel that strongly about it. I said, would you like something like just a minor B-plot? She's like, yeah, that sounds a lot better. Like, just, just a little... A little show of what of where I came from that doesn't have to take up a whole lot of things. Right. Attacked him with Khajiit Ninjas. She was elated. Yes. Now, one of the things that does come up a lot for this that is is an uh, that is a common question is: Is your B plot really your A plot? And the answer is no. Stop it. You've already gone too far. Yeah. If you if you suddenly are questioning whether your B plot is your A plot, it's too long. It's yeah. too involved. You, Take a step back. B plots need to be popcorn. They are things that really shouldn't last much longer than like a session or two, honestly. Yeah. Um you know, again, like kind of with the with the with the, with the ninjas attacking, you know, it's mm-hmm. like I expect there to be like an introduction. There might be a conflict in the middle, and then we're going to have a resolution, and then yep. we're going to be done with that plot. You know, yeah. we're not getting into the history of things. These are not going to be recurring villains for the next seventeen yep. sessions. 
it, no, it's not a huge thing. It doesn't even require all the people's attention other than the character that it's tied to, really, and whatever friend she happens to be with at the time. Yep. Who gets dragged into it. Exactly. You know. And now, on the other hand, I will flat out say this. If your players lean into your B-plot, all of them, if everybody's in on it, that they think this is really cool, and they're digging into it, and they're doing extra things, and they're investing, run with it. Just let them enjoy it. You'll get back to your A-plot or not. But the point is, is that if they're willing to go that far, let them enjoy it. There's nothing that says that you can't. The problem comes into when you keep feeding the fire from your side and like one person is interested in it. Mm -hmm. You don't want that. You don't want a B-plot to cause more fatigue. It is meant there to be popcorn. Yeah. It's meant there to to give a uh, almost relief from the a plot exactly to give just a little a little extra contrast so that they they're not always just focusing on one thing and that the world seems very one dimensional. Yep. Um, there are systems that support this directly. We talked about Seventh C. Yeah. The the second edition actually has character stories in it. Yeah. Which basically it's the only way you advance in the game is through p plot. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, seriously, that's that's how it happens. It, it necessitates it. Um, first edition is what you were talking about with backgrounds. With backgrounds. It's like a, it's kind of a watered-down version of character stories. But um, it's, it is very straightforward. You are literally handing this to your GM. It says it in the book. And this, it says, make this part of the story, please. And they say, thank you, I will, and I will reward you with XP at the end. That is literally how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, Urban Shadows or Kids on Bikes. Um, both of them start with the characters building the town and the city together. And in that, you're building the B-plots that are out there. Everybody's talking about it. Like, you may say that this docks is an area, but another character might say, and there's a gang that runs those docks. Okay, now there's a B-plot. And that character is involved dealing with that gang. And you have to paint out what that story is. Mm-hmm. And in Urban Shadows, there's five questions that are asked on every one of the cards that literally paint B-plots, five B-plots right there. Yeah. You know, what are you driving to find out? You know, what do you want the most? You know, what, you know, uh, you know, what family member uh, did this to you? Mm -hmm. Things like that. You know, it's it's painted in black and white. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say uh, games like Adventure, Tales of the Aeon Society, Mm -hmm. um, uh, to a lesser extent, Savage Worlds, um, any game that you can kind of expend um, some sort of currency to uh, what they call dramatically, uh, dramatic editing is Mm -hmm. the the mechanic for it in Adventure, Tales of the Aeon Society. But um, it's basically saying like, uh, yeah, I'm going to dictate a small part of the story. Like you said, like spend reputation to say I know someone at this party. Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend... Um, uh, I forget what they call it in, in uh, adventure, but it's like I'm gonna spend my points to mm-hmm. say, um, that I can, uh, actually I am the architect that designed this building, and I know where the secret passage is that leads out the back door. Exactly. Okay, cool. You know, um, any game that allows you to insert your own stuff and dramatically edit the plot as it is happening, mm-hmm. um is is rife for introducing plot elements from your own skill sets from mm-hmm. your own backstories into the plot dynamically as it's unfolding yep exactly exactly um traveler actually has life path in it as well yep and that you're you're building your character's life path the story of their life you're having to talk about it and in that legitimately are 
painting to your storyteller what's important to your character, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they've been, what they've dealt with. And that's, again, literally a landmine worth of creativity, you know, or a landmine field that where the creativity where you're literally stumbling sure, through B sure. plots. Uh, worth noting, uh, actually, the Mech Warrior. Uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, I, I, it's Battletech. Something. Something. Now they changed the name of it. It's not Mech Warrior. Yeah, just anymore. recently they changed it. But um, it's the, uh, yeah. the 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 Battletech uh, tabletop game where you're you're out of your mech mm-hmm, playing the actual mm-hmm. Mech Warrior. Yeah. Uh, also has this uh, life path sort of sort mm-hmm. of thing works really well for this. Yeah, and again, although these systems have it, it doesn't mean that you can't in any system talk about these types of questions. Sure. The twenty questions that traditionally get asked, or fifty questions, depending on which way you go with it, um, are a great way during session zero to help flush out who a character is and get your, get your players thinking about them, but also give you what's important to them and the ability to ask them like, Hey, is that important to your character? Yes. Would you like to, to explore that as a B plot possibly? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or no. And that is that conversation break. And then check freaking back with them later. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't don't make this a one and done. Uh, Hulavu, welcome to the live chat. Yes. Um, says that uh, Leverage RPG has a similar thing with flashbacks. You can spend story points to literally go back in time and pretend you were prepared for whatever is happening. Uh, I think it's also uh, Blades in the Dark also does that too. Yes, yes. Uh, there's a couple that do that. Um, I want it wasn't Gumshoe, but it was one of the mystery ones. Uh, allows you to basically do the Poirot thing. Yeah. Where you can talk about what happened, mm-hmm. and it paints that picture as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember during the scene, this happened. And so you then do the scene of them out on, you know, the veranda with you listening, you know, kind of a thing. I would say it's less that sort of that, that, that sort of thing, though. I mean, th- those are cool mechanics, but I don't think you interject nearly as much of your own personal character. Maybe, maybe with the flashbacks it, to be pre- like I was prepared for this because. Sort well, of and stuff. that's the thing is I think it opens up the door. Yeah. Just like oh, I'm like like hey, I knew that I had the blueprints to this because I worked with the architectural firm who built this building. Mm-hmm. Oh, you did. And a little note goes on the page, and now that architectural firm is going to come back around. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. When you worked there, you were also working with this guy, mm-hmm. and that's why you left. You know things like that. Yeah. You know it's it's. It's, again, something that you're putting into play, which is now part of story and canon. Guess what? It's going to come back around. Yep, exactly. So, yep, yep. Uh, do you want to hit some questions? I do. I do. Uh, all right. We've got some really great questions this week. Uh, the Mad Elf asks... Oh, by the way, congratulations on coming back, Mad Elf, and your anniversary. Happy anniversary. Yeah, hey. Happy anniversary. Yes. Uh, since it is conceivable there could be multiple B-plots logistically, what are some ideas for tracking their progress, balancing time for individual character B-plot activities? So, we talked about them being short. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is the key, is knowing how you're basically having in a rough form that you've done the opening for them, that you've done their midpoint, and that you're doing a closing. And I think that's it. That's all you need to keep track of. That can happen in a single adventure, mm-hmm. you know, in, a, in, in either an episode or two, uh, or you could have scenes where they come in and close. And I think that's all you and to make do, and to make sure that you're not overdoing it, and that you're not getting too convoluted logistically. Yeah. Um, I always try to you know, think about the three. If they become more than three steps, they become more than three steps. You're you're probably chaining B plots together, or or you're writing a very serious subplot. Correct, correct. Yeah. And watch yeah. watch out for that. Watch out for that. Um, for me, it's very vibe based. I agree. 
I, I think a lot of it is just like kind of, um, you know, keeping the pulse of your table, just mm-hmm. making sure that your players are still in spectator mode, but haven't drifted into this game doesn't have anything to do with me mode. Right. Um, and I, I think I, I like to give about as much attention to B plots as I do like side conversations. You know, mm-hmm. if a, if a character is like, hey, I'm going to go talk to the Thieves Guild and I'm taking the cleric with me. Cool. Okay. You two are going to go talk to the Thieves Guild. We're going to have an, a conversation between some NPCs and stuff like that. But, like, obviously I want to get back to the main story. Mm-hmm. And I think I treat my B-plots with exactly that weight. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, um, suddenly there are Khajiit ninjas and you see your old friend from, you know, from, from back in your temple days. And you look at her and she looks at you and you go, you, it's you. Oh, my God, what are you doing here? Can't explain. Bye. Being chased by ninjas. Yeah. And then you step in front of the ninjas and the ninjas are like, give her back to us. And we're like, no. Okay, fine. We'll get you later. Yeah. And they leave. And that's the whole scene. Yeah. Um, a good example, if if I go back to Three Musketeers, um, is uh, Sabine. She's interjected. She's the uh, She is the ex-wife, uh, thought to be dead, hanged in the gallows um, for after going to prison, but was saved and turned into an assassin. And she's literally just was trying to kill one of the other people in the group. And he recognizes her, mm-hmm. but he also knows that she needs to go to the gallows. Mm. So the moment that they recognize her, there are other people there who have to take her. Mm. So it's changing the scene immediately. Yeah. Like, yep. and she won't give up the information until the last minute when she realizes that she needs to some kind of her pension. There's that love subplot. Exactly. Yep. And, but it's things like that. Always be prepared to pull the B plot away from your scene in a comfortable way. Yep. In yep. an easy way. Yep. And that'll help keep that logistically clean. Your B plot should always make way and yield to your A plot. Yes. Yes. Uh, all right. So what kind of circumstances would occur which would lead you to turn a B plot into the main plot? When all players are interested. Yeah. Most of the table is invested in the B plot and taking care of the B plot in nurturing and working on the B plot it goes from being the fire that's cooking dinner to the bonfire everyone's dancing around. Yep. And you don't get upset. You yep. just roll with it until they're done dancing. If players chase a plot, follow them. Yep. If if that if that's what they're interested in, that's the story now. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Uh all right, so Nevum asks, uh what should I do as a GM if my players rather follow B plots instead of the main plot? Uh, first thing is check yourself to make sure that you're not putting too much investment laid out, too many breadcrumbs and too much interest into the B plot. If you're, if you're investing too much Mm -hmm. and then two, if everybody's in for it, let them spend, let them, let them drive that for a little while. They might need it. They might, they, they might need to go chase puppies for a little while after going through the great war. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Just be prepared that when they, when they're done with it and ask to return to the A-plot, that the A-plot shows up, and the B-plot sidesteps. Yep. That's the key. Uh, so the, the way the question's worded, um, follow B-plots, for me, uh, this this basically says the this S. is a serial thing. Yes. That uh, they would they would rather, you know, chase side quests than the, than the main plot. Um, and I think, for me, my, my main advice is, okay, that's fine. They can chase whatever they want. It's their game. If they mm-hmm. would rather play it more as a, as a sandbox full of, full of B-plots than one with a main plot, that's fine. Yeah. But um, 
don't forget that your main plot, your A plot, doesn't stop existing mm-hmm. and doesn't stop progressing. You yeah. know, um, if you leave the villain around to just achieve his goals and you don't do anything to thwart him because you're off, I don't know, saving orphans from whatever. Sure. Um, he's, you know, next time they encounter him, he's going to be significantly more powerful. And he's going to care about them less. And he's going to care about them less. I mean, and maybe that's going to create its own drama. Yeah. I don't even know who you are, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, just keep in mind that the villain's not going to stop doing what he's doing just because you guys took some time off to rescue orphans. <laughs> Somehow I get two things out of this one. Number one, uh, the the I, I will go with the funny and then I'll go with the legitimate. The funny is is that I always think of, like, you, you forgot about the henchmen that you, you let live and stuff, and now they literally have, like, tattooed across their chest hench life, and they're power lifters. <laughs> so, like, oh, those henchmen got a little buffy. <laughs> like, um, But on the other side of that, you've got... Um, you've got the thought that if your players want to move to a more of an episodic story where the plot is ongoing, like, you know, uh, Atlant- Stargate Atlantis or not Atlantis. Uh, is it the one where they're in space? Uh, is, uh, SGU. Uh, uh, yeah, SGU. Yeah, where they're just going. They're yeah. literally just traveling in a direction. Like, that's the main plot. I'm going. Right. Well, the main plot is we don't know how to stop going because we are not driving this thing. Correct, correct. <laughs> and that's the thing is, is that that's the main plot, but everything else is wrapped around that in odd ways. Mm-hmm. And sure, great. They're, they're, your players are no longer invested in the faster-than-light story that you have that you laid out before them. It doesn't mean that it goes away. Yeah. Sometimes that plot is going to slap them in the face, but the rest of the time is them doing random things that they like to do. Sure, whatever. Yeah, what's what's going on down in engineering, and uh, what's going on with that engineering chick that you've had your eye on, you that's know, right. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's... yeah. And 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 just working through all those kinds of moments. That's that's perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. You can switch and move your story style and the conversations within your story to a different tone and movement. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Uh, okay. So the next question is, what should I do as a player? If my only interest is in B plots and have no interest in the main plot, uh, a talk to your storyteller. Yep, because they are tell they are trying to tell you a story you are not engaging with. Right, and that's a conversation you two can have to work towards a them telling a more story that is going to engage you more. Yeah. The other thing that I will say, uh, from a player's perspective, is that if you you lost engagement in the main story, talk to your storyteller, but sometimes there are still elements that you that you could be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that is where you lean. You have to give some investment back to your storyteller to, to, to put faith. You are an actor, and there are other people to entertain at that table besides yourself. Lean into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you may find that joy again. It, it ebbs and flows. Every mm-hmm. story does. But always talk to your storyteller and the other players and don't make it a I'm not interested in this and I have no idea what I'm going to do. Now, the other the other thing I will say is if your only interest is in B plots, period, like you will never care what the main plot is no matter what your storyteller makes it and you only want to chase like little B plots, what you're looking for is an episodic game. Yes. Because that's nothing but B plots. Mm-hmm. Literally one plot just gets used like a paper plate and then goes away and doesn't matter under the next episode. Yeah. Um, and so you may want to, you know, talk about running a more episodic game. Yeah. You know, uh, there's, there's a really good thread where a guy had, uh, uh, effectively the game that he was running was another random dungeon. Mm-hmm. And 
the idea was is that these adventurers were constantly being hired to clean stuff out. Old keeps, uh, vampire dens, caves, whatever. They just they got a reputation for it. Mm-hmm. So they started off the game as with this reputation. Every game was just another adventure. That wasn't the story. It was episodic. Mm-hmm. That was just, yeah, it was pretty straightforward what they were doing. At times, they were literally, like, ganking, you know, goblins and shooing them out of caves while having full, deep conversations about magic theory and, you know, love and who they're interested in. Those were the stories. Mm-hmm. And so they would do flashbacks to what was going on between adventures. Oh, neat. And neat. I thought that was kind of a cool way of doing things. That like, cool, randomly yeah. at the beginning of the game, they'd be like, okay, you guys, you know what you're going to be doing. You're going to be going after this goblin horde. you got to clear them out of this cave. That's the adventure. Okay. Let's see what the B-plots are for tonight. Flip. Someone has some romance to talk about. Flip. Ooh. We have a uh, we have a dead family member here. And, oh, someone got a promotion. Let me know when that happens, guys. And put them on the table. And people would just, during the story, grab one of the cards for XP and start in on it. I love it. And I was like, that is effing brilliant. I love it. So, I love it. Yep, yep. Uh, so last question from Nevim. Um, can I build a story based only on B-plots and let one of the B-plot become the main plot based on the player's choices? 100%. What you have just described is called a sandbox game. Yep, yep. Uh, so you throw a lot of stuff out there in whichever way they wander. Congratulations, we are now telling that story. Yep, that is now the new story. Yep. Uh, and honestly, there's a lot of games uh, that are built that way. Uh, Kids on Bikes can lean that direction mm-hmm. uh, as well. Uh, some of the, the more part by the Apocalypse games can lean that direction. So Sean is uh, Sean is with us in the studio today, and he's just over in the corner just giving me two thumbs up with a big grin ear to ear at yep. the mention of a sandbox game. He's like, yep. that's, that's my style. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, and then Huluvu asks, as a GM... I can be overwhelmed by my main plot, let alone start balancing B plots. What are some things you can, you find effective in managing anxiety without going insane? Oh my god, dude! No, <laughs> I feel this question. I feel this question on a cellular level. Thank you, Huluvu, for asking it because talking about it is going to be able for is going to be therapy for me. So, uh, do you want to start? Um. Yeah. Uh. All right. So you're you're absolutely correct. Um, it is, it, it, it does add anxiety because mm-hmm. I mean, you're already trying to manage your, your a plot and then you're like, how can I make this harder on myself and everybody involved and still make it fun and still make it fun. Um, so what I look at it as is an opportunity to, um, I, I think of it less as like running an additional plot and more of weaving existing backstory elements into the plot um i like to look at uh npcs that i've used in the past that are interesting that i may want to give more uh quote-unquote camera time to um i look at it as like interesting things in characters backstories that i think would be uh fun themes to bring in and explore um, either from a drama standpoint or a conflict standpoint. Um, I look at old threads, old plot threads that I don't feel like were wrapped up adequately and think to myself, what might be consequences of that plot thread not being tied off? And those are good for B plots. Mm-hmm. And I think if you if you conceptualize it more of that, of 
enriching your existing A plot, then I'm going to complicate my A plot and run a whole separate plot on top of it. It makes it more palatable to you um, uh, 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 psychologically. Okay, okay. I... Th- think think of it less like the sugar sweetening things rather than the sugar complicating things. You follow? Yes. You're I... add either way. You're adding an additional ingredient, mm-hmm. but one's going to make things sweeter, and one just is looked at as an additional ingredient you've got to keep track of. So, I like what you said there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a good way of doing it. I don't discount anything you're saying at all. Sure. In my thought of, in focusing specifically on managing anxiety of everything, that there's so many moving parts, is that I will keep a note set uh, for my B plots that are completely separate. Um, I won't include them in my primary notes because they're not necessary. Mm -hmm. And the only time I really look at those is when I feel that the players need a change. Okay. Okay. I I go for more of the hard vibe check of how am I doing? Mm-hmm. Am I having anxiety about the main plot? <laughs> okay. okay, I'm having anxiety about the main plot. It is time for me to do something stupid. Mm-hmm. What do I have in the B plot bag that I've been just kicking around onto the side? Oh, Sarah doesn't Sarah's character doesn't feel like she's a part of this world. Time for some romance and children. Got hey. it. I had that one setting to the side. I'm going to go run with that. Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, uh, you know, one of my other players is not in, you know, it doesn't know where he fits in uh, into the social scheme of people talking to different things. Like, he's just not involved. It's time to have him be directly involved with conversations because no one's going to talk to anyone else but him. Yep. He's the most respected person in the room. Yep. Okay. How do I make that into a B plot? How do I shift that tone? Mm-hmm. Um, it's too serious. Let's. They're buying a pig. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to buy a pig. Yep. You know, because that's going to everybody's going to be interested in that. And then I just get creative and flavor it up. Mm-hmm. I make something very simple, have a lot of extra flavor to it, and then barely sprinkle in the lines to my plot so that it's not lost. Mm-hmm. And that's how I how I keep myself sane is because. There is a lot of moving components, and it does get tedious, especially when we're only going month to month to month with our games. Yeah, yeah. You know, I sometimes will come up to the next session, and I will have, at the last session, had a really great path of where I was going, and then suddenly I get to this one, and I just, I'm, I'm feeling lost in my own weeds. Yeah, yeah. And I, and instead of just scrapping everything and, and, and trying to simplify it, I'll just set those to the side and say, okay, what, what few things do I need? And how can I make this comfortable for myself? What can I change tone-wise? And you see writers do it on TV all the time. You'll see episodes that do not connect mm-hmm. with any kind of primary story, but it doesn't make them any. It doesn't make them wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. One of the ones that always I come back to is DS9's Odo. Uh huh. Him in an elevator, stuck in an elevator with Loxana Troy. Yeah. It is the most in, in 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 plot movement. It is the most inane point. Yeah, like the plot is that they're stuck in an elevator. There's a reason why they're stuck in the elevator that wraps around DS9 as a whole. 
but they're stuck in an elevator together. It's two characters talking and moving through a very hard situation. But you and the writers just got to write about both of those people and give those actors times to act. Yeah. Really yep. act. So for me, that's what it is. It is a breath. It is a moment to be creative in a different direction than I've been going and take a take a step away. So so if you if you need a moment to relax your anxiety and and take a step back, literally, it is your moment to kind of fake not running the game that you're running <laughs> and help your players just take a breath away from it. Yeah. That's why it's meant to be a shift. And and use that. That's that's what I would say. Yeah. That's where I would take that. I think that's actually why I've been suffering from such some writer's block the last month or so is because I am trying to run about three different B plots alongside my A plot. Yeah. So it's it's just it, it did become overwhelming for me like this. So it's, yeah, uh, I just it's just working out how they all need to fit together. And I think once I see that now, I've got I've got my my momentum back. And and I'll say your B plots can just be B plots. They can sit and not even be there. Yeah, they can just disappear as well until someone says something about them. Right, right. You know, because at the end of an adventure, someone's gonna say, "What happened to those ninjas?" And you can be like. Okay. Like they, atta- they attack, coincidentally. Yep. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should mention them. Yeah. Uh, we have one last question, actually. Uh came in uh, Knox in the Box in the live chat asks, sure. uh, have you ever had to make a sharp turn into a B-plot because your main one somehow got accidentally ruined or screwed over? I'm thinking. I I think I've I've had my main plot get... get I've definitely had my main plot screwed over, Biffed, but I, I don't know that I ever segued into a B plot. I just had to figure out how to segue the A plot. Like, I don't think a B, I don't, I don't know that a B plot is something you can really detour into cleanly like that. Yes. Because it's a B plot because it runs concurrent to your A plot. So if your A plot does, isn't there, you don't really have a B plot. Um, I think it's more along the lines of, like, your players finished your A-plot scene way too quickly. And now you're like, shit. I have to give them something else to do. Right. So it's a subplot. Is it really a B-plot? It can be. I've never harded, I've never hard gone into a B-plot, but I have done a subplot. And that's where uh, the, the, the night of the, uh, I should say, the in-slayer uh, moment occurred. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was 100% a subplot that came out because I needed a stop along the road. Mm-hmm. I, I, I literally didn't know what I was going to shift in the next story. Things were moving too quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I had to throw a subplot in there and, and I made it as, as simple as this is what's going on at this end. I really don't know what they're going to do with this information mm-hmm. and just let it go. Yeah. And it became its own thing. Yep. So Yeah. Sometimes you got to have a battle of the bands episode. And I thought that was a great way of handling that one as well. So I think subplots are something that you can hard left into the, mm-hmm. into for a, for a session or two at most. Mm-hmm. And then right back on. Yep. Right back on. Yep. So it's you get, sometimes the tire gets popped. <laughs> yeah, right on. Right on. So. All right. Uh, so next week's show, uh, we're going to be, uh, is entitled Hook, Line, and Storyteller. Um, we talked a little bit about hooking your players. We talked a little bit about building your investment and stuff like that. Um, uh, and but we've we've we haven't really given like the full like two oh one breakdown of how to hook your players, how to build investment in those hooks, and how to do this all and keep them on track without railroading them. Yeah, I think that I I think that that's the one piece that 
that I felt was missing with mm-hmm. some of the because again you can't do all of those pieces and wrap it in one show it's it'd be way too long we'd yeah. be doing seminars on the stuff and nobody wants us to do TED talks and try and cram it so we kind te- of what this podcast is yeah, it's we, kind, it's kind of, of our TED, TED talk it's yeah. kind of our TED talk thanks for coming to our TED talk um, but. The point of it is, is that uh, this will give us a chance to kind of talk about this is what you already know about hooks. This is already know what you about investment. All right, let's talk about not railroading in this sense. And uh, I, I think this is something that a lot of people run into. I've seen it quite a few times where people have, have stepped into the realm of railroading and 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 not really realize that they were doing it or heaven forbid, like we talked about writing too much instead of doing scaffolding and it becoming what the next major thing is be and becoming a railroad. So, yep. All right. Well, you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore conclave on Instagram at ST underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 PM Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And uh, join us on our discord. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, shoot some questions at us. Uh, like, uh, uh, like Hulavu and Nevum and Mad Elf did today. Um, you can find that link on our Twitter as well as our uh, website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members who help us every month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, uh, Subject Sam, The Arcane Asylum, uh, Sparkle Motion Veteran, Hulavu and Sean. We really appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music, Beyond the Warrior, uh, is by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on YouTube Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. Big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank Yay, you so John. much for loving Thank and you supporting so us. All of our friends who've sat outside our tables over these years to give us these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so love much. Love you guys. Good, Good night. night.